going on everybody welcome to another episode of your intention matters the podcast my name is still palmadot thank you very much for freeing up the time to listen to this podcast today i have gerardo gongora he is vice president of sales at century snacks coming to us from del mar california hedda i'm a canadian trying to use a, a spanish accent man how am i doing <laughs> you're doing very well paul you're doing very well it's hard to pronounce there's so many r's too many accents on it on the last name well, I didn't bring in the Canadian out or about, so uh, I'm, do I'm doing okay, right? You're doing excellent right now. All right, good man. Well, listen, do me a favor. Say hi to everybody and uh, provide a quick intro, and then we'll get into it here. Sounds good. So uh, my name is Gerardo Gongora. Uh, I was born in Mexico, Monterey, to be specific. Uh, it's literally across the border from Texas. I've been in the, in the U.S. since 2004 um, and in sales since actually 2006, so long Long time in sales, uh, and I'm with Century Snacks right now as the vice president of sales. All right, good. Well, good man. I'm looking forward to it. Are, are you married? Parent? Your dad? Anything? So, uh, married. No, no kids. Two Chihuahuas, uh, uh, and they're a pain. But yeah, I, I love them to death. But I, I, they're really a pain. Awesome. All right, good man. Well, listen, I appreciate you being here. Um, let's get rolling here. So, you know, Hedda, as you know, the title of the podcast is "Your Intention Matters." And that's really, as we were talking, nothing's been given to you in your life and you weren't able to ride coattails and it all starts with what's up top with mindset and intention. And uh, so I'm looking forward to you sharing your story. You ready to get going? I'm ready to go, Paul. All right, let's go here. Okay. We're going back in time, but that's what we do on this podcast. We're going back mid nineties, man. Hammer time, glorious <laughs> time back in the day. Right. And so yeah. t talk to me about, so you, you were in Mexico, uh, you were born in Mexico, you're Mexican. Uh, what were you doing at the time when you were getting ready to finish school? Did you have a vision for what you thought you'd be doing with your life? So, yeah, going back to that, that age, it was uh, unlike some other friends that I had in college. Um, I had a business. We had a taco shop in Tijuana. We opened it in 94. Uh, I was just a kid. Uh, I was able to manage the business all the way through college. I was doing very well back then. Um, I graduated college in 2000. And, uh, and my dad decided that it was time for me to go and, and experience or put my experience from college uh, into practice. So I went from back then, it was a lot of money for me, but I was making probably $1,500 a week to start making $150 a week, which it was a, it was a tough uh, pill to swallow, to say and the that's least. A, that's a 90% pay cut. Pretty much. Yeah. And, and not only that, so I went from working in the taco shop and being driven by results and opening new uh, places to go and work as a buyer for Samsung, which is a TV com manufacturing company. And, and I started working, my hours were from seven in the morning all the way through eight at night, making 90% less. It was not really motivating, but it's life, right? You have to start working somewhere. So how did you survive? I mean, how long were you at Samsung for with that type of a pay decrease percentage-wise? So I was still living with my parents. Um, at the time, I'm probably 21. I well, that say, helped. 21, 22. Um, I was still living with my parents, which is very traditional in Mexico. Uh, 
and and to be quite honest, I don't know how I was doing that because I remember just going out on a Friday night and just like spending the whole check and then having the whole week with no money. So it wasn't fun. I can tell you that. Yeah. At the time though, you got through it, right? Yeah. 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 All right. So this is the early 2000s. You know, for anybody who's a regular listener in this podcast, they've heard me, you know, say this on occasion about that time frame. It was kind of a turbulent time for the world. I mean, like like the dot-com companies in the late 90s kind of bursted a bit. And so that wave was gone. And, you know, the, the terrible events of September 11th happened in 2001. And that, while you weren't in the U.S., to me, that was, I was in Canada, you were in Mexico. That was an attack on our way of life as far as I was concerned. And I had a massive impact on the world for a long time in terms of commerce and business and flying and fear. And, and so uh, how did you manage the early 2000s while you were in Mexico? What was it like for you? So I was living at the time in uh, Tijuana, which is literally across the border from San Diego. Uh, it was, we did not suffer too much uh, financially uh, within the industry that I was in. Um, I can tell you that the big difference for us uh, it was a time to that it took us to cross the water from San Diego to or from Tijuana to San Diego. You went from 40 minutes before 9/11 uh, to seven hours after 9/11. Mm. So tourism, I'm pretty sure it was affected on this side. I was more, I was a buyer, so I was just uh, getting a lot of components from Asia for all the monitors going into Brazil and South America. So I was not, my industry was not really affected per se. It was just whenever you wanted to go to the U.S. that it was uh, it was a hassle. It was literally you have to wait seven hours just to cross the border. You know, with you living in, in Tijuana and you mentioned, I think you were from a town uh, on the on the other side of Texas. So were, have you always been close to the border for most of your time living in Mexico? So this goes back in time. So I was born in Monterey, which is literally across the border from Texas. And then my dad was in sales. Um we live, I want to say, in 12 different states within Mexico. And coincidentally, the last state that we live was Tijuana or city I that see. we live was Tijuana. So, yeah, uh, one of the reasons why I become a, became a buyer was because I have the same name as my dad. And I did not want to go into sales because I didn't want to be measured by the same uh, standards as him. Standards. So I became a buyer. Exactly the opposite. Got it. Okay. So you become a buyer and I, I was in Monterey uh, about a year and a half ago. First time I'd ever been there. Beautiful city. Oh Thank my you. God. I mean, the mountains, I mean, I, I had no idea like the backdrop and, and I, I had no idea how big the city was either. Millions of people live there. It's unbelievable. The traffic was crazy. I know. Well, Mexico city is worse, but yeah, Monterey, when I was, I was born in 78. So it wasn't as busy as it is right now. It's very industrial. So yeah. there's, too many industries. There's a lot of money, but yeah, there's a lot of traffic. So okay, so so you you move from uh, kind of the the east side of Mexico to to the northwest side in Tijuana. Uh, did you have a vision to want to go to the U.S.? Was that a driver of yours, or did it just kind of happen? I I can tell you that I was never my intention to go to the U.S. Uh, the main reason, the main factor was that I did not speak the language. So. It's kind of challenging just to to communicate. Uh, I mean, it was very challenging communicating back then. Um, I got married in 2004. At the time, insecurity in Tijuana was very, uh, very bad. So my ex-wife at the time, uh, she wanted just to move to the States. I was I was against it because 
I had a good job. I was already a, a purchasing manager, having a big division uh, under my wing. And, and here I am in the U.S., not even speaking English, no friends. And when I don't know if you know that, Paul, but when you become a U.S. resident, they remove your visa. So you can't cross the border for six months. Uh, and not having friends, it was just it was challenging. It was challenging. No, you know what? I had no idea. I mean, I, I have global access when I go to the U.S., but I've never applied for a visa. So I don't know that process. I just go as a, as a visitor whenever I travel into the U.S. So I had no idea. But that's interesting that you would say that because I, I can see where you're coming from. I also know that, uh, you know, Southern California um, has a fair amount of, uh, of Spanish in it. There's a lot of that culture there. And there, there's, there's a, a, you know, it's almost like you could walk down the street in most pockets of Southern California and Spanish in a lot of circles is actually the first language by, by so many. And so did that help you? Did you find living in Southern California helped you a little bit more so than moving into like Salt Lake City or something where, I mean, there's no Spanish there. I mean, it's certainly compared to, you know, the Southern part of California. Did that help you at all? It, it did help. So, um, so I was, like I said, I was a, a, a purchasing manager down there. I came here. I interviewed with this company, in-house broker for Costco, and it was it was it was luck, I will say, because the person who was interviewing me, it was a, a great guy, uh, but he was American. He did not speak Spanish at all, uh, and he brought somebody else from his team who spoke Spanish. Not only that, but he he went to San Diego State here and. It was one of those exchange student programs, and I happened to knew him because he went to the same college that I went to. So mm. I literally was saying 10 words in Spanish, one in English, and he was translating, um, and, and they hired me, and, which I was really surprised. So I, after probably seven months, I went to my boss, and I said, well, why did you hire me? I mean, I was able to communicate a little bit better. And he said, because not knowing the language, you had the, the courage to present yourself in a mm. meeting. Uh, and that's how I started. I started as a logistics manager, not even in sales. So I was managing logistics for different companies within my team. You know, the, the move to a foreign country, I, I, I get that, especially when you can't speak the language. Uh, you know, and th then you have the six month component of even if you wanted to leave, you can't. Your ex-wife, uh, is she Mexican as well? Or was she an American? And did, is that what drew you to the U.S.? Or So she was born in San Diego, but from Mexican parents. Uh, she actually, all the way through kindergarten, uh, from kindergarten through college, she, she was in the U.S. So she, so, English was her first language. Had no problem with that. Yeah. So the move, so the move to U.S., I imagine, was easier for you because she was a, a citizen. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. So okay. in order yeah, and that's how I, I we started the process to become a resident, and and during that process they remove your visa, so you start talking to the walls because you have no job and you're the only one in the in the house. Okay, so so now that was two thousand and four, right? So that's coming up on sixteen years. Early on, once you got past the six months and once you got settled, um, any moments of no, let, let's go back to Mexico. Like that's you know, like was there there, there anything like that? Uh, yeah. I mean, it, it's a different, it's, it's a completely different world. It sounds funny because you were so close to Tijuana, but it's a completely different world, different traditions, different uh, lifestyle. Um, yeah, it was, I probably had that thought for the first 10 to 12 years 
um, always looking oh. to buy a house down there and just go back to Mexico. I, it was, I, I, I will always say that I'm a very proud Mexican and I wanted just to go back. Uh, and yeah, the first 10 years it was, I wasn't suffering, but I, it crossed my mind every single month just to yeah. buy a place and move down there. Yeah. So, you know that, okay, so let's chat about this then. So you, you moved to the U S you're married, you're working for, you know, kind of an extension of Costco, uh, Anderson Damon worldwide. You were there for how many years? Almost nine years. That's, that's incredible, man. For a guy who didn't even speak the language, uh, what what was driving you? What was driving you to turn the corner? So when, when we moved here and we, I mean, we started the whole process of just staying in the U S I, I set the goal in my mind that you're here, you have to let the, make the best out of the, the plan uh, and start learning the, the language. I, one of my biggest strengths, I will say, is that I, I can create really good relationships. I told you that I started as a logistics manager because of my relationship with the buyers in Costco. My upper management decided to move me to sales, which I wasn't happy about it. Mm. But, uh, but I, saw, I saw a way to add value to the equation, um, understanding how the buyers think being on the other side of the desk um it was it, it was a really good experience uh, and yeah i mean in, in a blink of an eye it's been nine years and here i am representing several accounts one of them uh being mccormick mccormick spices so that's how i moved to retail uh, from from that piece but i learned english there at costco I learned how to negotiate in English. All the terminology for negotiating anything is is completely different than in Spanish. So, I I learned it was a really good school. And so after a better part of nine years, you went to a client. You went to McCormick. That is correct. Yeah. Did, did yeah, they, they steal you? Did they uh, did they say, "Come on over here, let's go. We got some good stuff for you." What happened? So we were in a meeting in Baltimore. Uh, it was a whole team from Anderson Damon and, and one of their VPs who was my representative for Costco said, hey, do you want to come uh, and experience retail? Which at the time I didn't have any, any knowledge of what it was. And I said, well, we can explore the opportunity. And all of a sudden I'm working for McCormick. It took me probably two months after the initial conversation. And, and I went from managing truckloads and truckloads to Costco to manage small mom and pops in so uh, Southern California, which they, it's the same amount of effort that you have to put. It's just yeah. different results. <laughs> okay. So was the transition from, you know, Costco to McCormick uh, harder than you thought it would be? It was probably one of the hardest experiences that I ever had. Um, it was the first seven months. I can tell you that I kicked myself in the head every single day because I didn't know why I took that opportunity. Um, but now looking back, it made me a better person, better salesperson and opened my eyes. Uh, I, I didn't like my job with Anderson Damon was from seven to four. McCormick was, you could start at seven uh, and finish at whatever time you finish. And the first year it's, just the first year in mileage on my car, I put 75,000 miles on it. So I was driving a lot. <laughs> yeah. And so how many years did you stay with McCormick? I stood uh, 
close to four years. So I started calling on small mom and pops and then uh, I ended up running their Western division for them. Uh, again, it was hard work and just not seeing any barriers there, trying to trying to improve yourself, which is the main goal that I have. And so what was next for you? So right after that, I got I was contacted by a recruiter and there's uh, this tea company in LA offered me a director of sales position. I moved to them, uh, uh, moved to that to work for that company in, I want to say 2017. Um, and I, I was managing the sales team for the whole country. Uh, it was, I went from managing $120 million with McCormick to a small uh, privately owned company uh, selling close to $20 million a year. So it was a, it was a big change, a really good uh, learning experience. Meta, you know, we're recording this for the audio portion. Of course, anybody listening to this is Spotify, iTunes or whatever, but we're also recording this via Zoom. I don't see tea sales when, when I see you, man. <laughs> How did that happen? You know what? And, and that's, that was another learning experience in my professional career. I, I was more driven by there, there's a possibility of a title. There's a possibility of more money. And I took it. Um, it. It, again, you you live and you learn. Um, the company, we grew a 27% rate in dollars and another big chunk in units. Um, and the owner got too excited and started investing a lot of money. And he, he overdid it, I will say. And he decided that it was, he had too many expenses. And one of the biggest expenses was myself. So he said, you know what? Thank you, but this is your, your last date. And that was that was a bad experience in my life. I have never been laid off by any company. But at the same time, I, I feel that at that point in my life, I needed it. I needed to somebody to bring me down to earth and say, you're not Superman. You, Because mm. I had that attitude. Uh, and, and it's a reality. I mean, sometimes you think that you can do so much and nobody's going to be able to touch you because you provide results. And here we are. I prove myself and then they say thank you, but no thank you. So it was a learning experience for me. Yeah, it's funny that you say that because, you know, no, nobody wants to be told, don't come to work tomorrow. Here's a check. Don't come to work tomorrow. It's like, it's not really that nice of a feeling. Happened to me, you know, almost 20 years ago now. And at the time it was April, 2002. And I was like, I was like a punch in the face. Like, what am I going to do? How much money do I have? You know, what, what am I, what's next for me? And uh, in the end, though, it, it ended up being probably the greatest thing that happened to me because it, 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 I found sales from that. And had I not you know, been laid off, who knows what I'd be doing today. So it's an interesting path that that happened. Were you out of work for any length of time? So I was out of work. So let me go back a little bit. I, I remarried um, about, geez, she's going to kill me. I think it's going to be three years. Um <laughs> uh, uh, so I remarried and I remember coming home and my brother-in-law came over and we, we were having dinner and it was April 3rd of 2017. I mean, it's one of those things that really scar you and you know the date, that yeah. you're going to die with that day in your mind. So I came home and I told him that I was going to just start looking for a job. And I remember my brother-in-law saying, well, just be ready because it's going to take you some time. Just be prepared for six to 10 weeks to find a job. I, I can tell you, Paul, I sent probably within a week, close to 80 resumes out, mm. to which none of them call me back. <laughs> I'm still waiting for that call back. Uh, 
And, but I had the, the opportunity to work with uh, some people that appreciate what I did. And they, they actually ended up, I reached out to them. One of them was a, a human resources person for McCormick. And I said, you know what? Can you review my compensation package? My, uh, what do you call that thing? Uh, severance package. Mm. And she said, yeah, I will review it. She said, that, that's fine. It's, it's basic. She said, well, what's your plan? And I said, well, easy, find another job. Uh, and she, she asked me that same day to send my resume to a contact that she provided. And I sent it in, in a matter of, I want to say that I was out of work for three and a half weeks. Uh, I got an opportunity with Century Snacks, the, their C, our CEO at the time. She so value, she she had a different kind of mentality and, and she gave me the opportunity to which I'm grateful and I will be grateful for a long time. Wow. That's, that, that's such a, it's such a great, you know, uh, you know, ending to it, so to speak, because now you're at this new company, but did I hear you correctly? Did you say that, uh, that you got married three years ago, meaning that you got divorced as well in, in your time in the U S yeah. So I got divorced. Um, I want to say 2014 around there, 2015. Uh, well, that's yeah. rough too, well, man. I mean, you're married ten years, and and new, still new country. You're still thinking I got to get out. So when you were divorced back in call it 2014, any desire to just go back to Mexico by yourself, or like what kept you in the U.S.? So back then, and even now, uh, sometimes I, I from time to time I look for jobs in Mexico, but at the same time I have to look. I have some financial. Uh, commitments that I want to just keep meeting and and because of that is it's probably a little bit more challenging to, mm. to find a job that easy and then one thing which is ridiculous but it's true um, one thing that I, I find out uh, is that the way they do business or the way the business are being made in Mexico versus the U.S. is so different and and it's sad, but I'm more immersed into the U.S. Uh, culture of business. And even, I mean, with my current job, I, I'm trying to open this market in Mexico. And and I get to meetings. So I go to meetings and all of a sudden, like, how do I say this in Spanish? Which is, well, I should be ashamed of myself. But but it's a reality. I mean, you right. speak so much English here that it just, if you don't use it, you lose it. I mean, it's not gone, but I, I, I do struggle with some words. All right. In both so you, English and Spanish. <laughs> well, I can tell you this, man. I would have never guessed that you've only been speaking English since 2004. So whenever you came to the when you came to the U.S., that's for sure. Thank you. Yeah, Thank you're you. very welcome. So, all right. So let's chat about uh, the, the last little while here. So you've been married, remarried about three years ago or so, give or take. Uh, you you work for a tea company, and you, you kind of move on from that. Uh, you're out of work for not that long of a period, but I'm sure that that was scary because you have a severance package. You don't know what's next, et cetera. You find Century Snacks and then you're into the job, you know, mid 2019, your first year, less than 12 months in COVID hits yeah, and the world shuts down. And, and I know that, you know, I mean, this, this to me has been a world thing. But I know that following the news in the U.S., there are certain pockets that have been hit really hard, some harder than others. And from the coverage that I see in Southern California, it's been no picnic down there. So how have you managed 2020? So within the company, we have different divisions. I'm, I'm in charge of the uh, retail division. So all the 
stores, Albertsons, Growers, and all those guys, Costco's of the world. Um, my division is actually being very profitable uh, because of this. When we hit COVID in March 18 of this year, I feel like everybody rushed to the stores and bought big bags of trail mixes that we produce. Uh, we do all the private label for, or some of the private label for Walmart nationwide. So it was it was a good thing for my division. I see. But we have two other divisions that are big. Uh, one is airports, and airports are gone. Right now, I mean, they're coming back very slowly. And the other one is food service. So food service is the same thing. Not not a lot of people in restaurants, so many restrictions. And yeah, we, we keep going back and forth because of this uh, COVID thing. Well, you know, listen, I have to say, I'm glad to hear that it sounds like, you know, you and your family uh, are, are safe and you, you're turning, you know, a negative into a positive, you know, depending on what side of the coverage you watch. Some people think it's a hoax. Some people think we're never going to get out of this thing. And you know, it's just, it's, it's, it's kind of, you know, it is what it is. I, I take some, you know, so there's some support in that we're all in this together. Like this to me, this to me is a world thing. It's not like one company, one industry, but we're all trying to figure this out together. So congrats on, you know, you know, riding the wave and, you know, trying to, to do as best you can here. It's been a lot of fun speaking with you, Head. I appreciate you freeing up the time. Uh, I always like to ask anybody who's a guest on the podcast, if there was, any advice or like what, what's been your foundation? What has served you well up until this point in your life? I will say um, have clear goals in your professional life and your personal life, right? So, um, and then don't deviate from that. Uh, there's going to be obviously some uh, struggles and there's going to be some challenges, but if you don't have those, you can never improve as a person, I will say, mm. uh, because you have to experience not everything that I experienced, but you have to experience certain things in life that it will make you better in both ways, professional and personal. So just set your goals, don't deviate, keep pushing and be be consistent, be, be respectful of everybody else and just keep pushing forward. All right, man. Uh, great having you on. Thanks so much for being here. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you so much for, for, for having me. I appreciate that. All right. Now, listen, I want to try this one more time before I wrap up here. Hera Gangora. <laughs> pretty close better was it better man it, it was way better it was way better <laughs> good man all right good well listen Thank everybody you so let's, much, you're welcome let's let's wrap this episode up right now remember everybody your intention matters why because that's the result you'll tend to get we're out of here we'll do it again next week and be safe everybody